Hear the word of God from Ephesians chapter 5. You can follow along in your own Bibles or on the screen. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 21. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything gets exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. <clears throat> I love to hike. It's one of my favorite pastimes. And when I first met Leslin, my wife, we were in college at Campbell University. And I took her on her first experience in the woods in a state park. We went to Raven Rock State Park close by here and we're hiking along, and um, I, I just, you know you learn things about people as you go through life with them. And all of a sudden, out of the woods steps a deer, and my wife freaks out and asks if it's gonna hurt us. And that was her first exposure to hiking in the woods. I love you, sweetie. I'm in trouble now. So everybody knows my day is over. <laughs> well, my kids can attest that whenever we get some free time, we love to go hiking. And so as I brought some visuals, my hiking boots, very worn in, and as Pastor Lawrence calls it, my staff. I want to be out in God's creation in the woods and hike as much as possible, because I just love it. I love to be out there. I love to be 
in creation. I love the just to be able to kind of unplug and be a part of that. And I love state parks, and I love to take my family and be a part of and us do it together. Well, today in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul is going to address the church in Ephesus by telling them some specific ways to walk, to walk together, to walk in certain ways. And so I thought it would be great if we um, talked about walking some today, what it's like to walk, what it's like to hike, what it's like to move through life, to journey together as the church. Because the church has a role to play in God's kingdom, and that is to make disciples. The church is disciples. The church is made up of people who are disciple makers. This is the one thing where we can see specifically Jesus told us to do. He says, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. And so as we look, as uh, Erica read for us, we're in Ephesians chapter 5. And right from the start, he's going to talk about walking. But in chapter 1, there's this very short sentence that is going to cause us to pause for a second. Because one of the things that we don't want to do too hastily is jump in to the walk of the Christian life. We want to talk about some very important things first. So let's look at verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Man, that's a power-packed sentence. There's a lot there. We have to understand that our identity is so wrapped up in this one sentence and so perfectly packaged that understanding our identity in this sense in the gospel or the good news as children of God, we will then imitate our Father. Now, this is, this is interesting because we have to pause even further for a second and really look deeply in this. Because to be an imitator of God and understanding our identity, we also, it's very important that the church understands the nature of sin. Now, sin is one of those things that we oftentimes like to redefine for convenience sake. And I have this concern that in some sense, in some circles, Christians describe sin in categories that will mask the true nature of sin. So I want to expose this a little bit further. Sin's not simply a sad thing because it can wreck our lives. Sin does more than make God sad that His world is not the way it's supposed to be. Sin makes God angry. Sin is offensive to God. And therefore, His wrath becomes aroused, not simply because we're missing out on His best, but, but because we have violated His law, rejected the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and made ourselves gods in His place. This is what sin does. So God's going to deal with sin in His world that He created. He has to because it's an affront to His holy nature. 
And so because of that, God's not going to just shake a finger at us and tell us we're bad boys and girls. No, God is the king who has been attacked with rebellious people. You see what I mean? And this is why it's important that we maintain this definition. Because if I'm a bad boy, then there's some simple reparations that can be made. But when I'm a rebel against the king, I violated the law of the kingdom, then I'm ousted. I'm, I have the death penalty against me. And so understanding sin in that way helps me understand how God the king is going to deal with it. His wrath against our sin, his wrath against our sin, all of the hatred of that is going to come towards the rebellious. But oh, this is where the good news is. This is where the gospel steps in. Because Jesus steps in front of that, in our place. And all of that wrath is turned toward Jesus. And in Christ, we find that we have been reconciled to God. He takes the wrath. He takes the punishment for our sin upon Himself. This is why I love Colossians 2. Because it says that the record of our rebellion against the king has been canceled by it being nailed to the cross. And so now we can look back and understand verse five, uh, chapter 1, verse... No, I'm saying all that wrong. Chapter 5, verse 1, even better. Even more clearly. Because now we understand our identity as what it says, children of God. And now we can talk about living lives that imitate our Father, that imitate God. Because when we see that our status was rebellious sinners, but it was taken away by the good news that Jesus stepped into our place and took this punishment that we deserved on Himself, now we can understand our identity. And that's why I wanted to pause there. Because I want us to start with that. And help us to see that the record that has been canceled for our debt also serves as our adoption papers. It serves to show us that we are children of God. And that status doesn't change. Nothing takes that away. And so we live now to imitate our Father. Who we are, our identity as children of God, who we are determines then what we do, how we walk. Because in verse 2, it says this, And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now this passage Chapter 5, verses 1 through 21 is going to be divided by three times that the writer uses the word walk. And so we're going to look at each of these times as we talk through what it's going to be like to walk in imitation of our Father, to walk in imitation of God. So when I sin, when I do wrong, I need to understand my identity because I need to hear in my own head and in my heart God saying to me as His Son, Josh, you're my son and I love you. Don't do that. I don't need to hear 
Satan tricking me into thinking it's the voice of God and saying, how dare you? See, anytime we find a finger pointing at us in accusation, it's not our loving Heavenly Father. It's our enemy who wants to confuse us to make us think that that's what it is. I'm going to put, thrust my finger into your chest and tell you that you are wrong, that your identity is misplaced, that you're not who you think you are as a child of God. That's not our Father. That's not His voice. That's not the voice of God. That's the voice of the enemy. That's accusation against us, which is not true. My identity is fixed as a child of God and will not change, will not be altered. And therefore, I can hear more clearly when I have done wrong, which I have, right? I'm not perfect. I don't do everything right. I don't always make the right choices. I don't always say the right things. I stumble on my words. I stumble in my life. I stumble in my actions. And when I do that, it's good and refreshing and free to hear a father say, you're my son and I love you. Don't do that. It's so refreshing. So when we see this, when Paul in his letters, and you can see this if you track through the letters of Paul, when he sees that his people are getting off track, he doesn't confront their wrongdoing and then tell them what to do. Paul starts by reminding them of who God is, the very nature and character of God, what God has done for them in Christ Jesus, and who they are in light of that truth. That's how God works in His Word by showing us. And by believing these truths about the gospel and our new identities, which have been fixed in Christ, we're led to different behavior. We're led to live lives that result from believing about God, who He is, as revealed in His Word, leading us to believe who we are, and therefore having that secure identity, living lives that please Him. And living lives, which we'll talk about later, of walking in repentance. Being precedes doing in the Christian life. My Identity, who I am, is before what I do. And it's unchanging. So God the Creator, who He is, who created, that's what He did, that's His work. He created images of Himself, humanity, that's who we are, to create and co-create with Him, that's what we do. Okay? We, we recognize His identity and character in His work, our identity and character in our work. And those track hand in hand. So, and it's a progression. God, as the Creator, revealed through His creation and His Word who He is and what He's doing, leading us in His likeness as His children to be disciple-makers. Okay? And so, we move on. And here's the first thing we do. A disciple walks in this way with Christ. A disciple walks in the light. Look at this. Well, actually, let's back up because I want to talk a little bit about one more thing. It says that we walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. 
understanding the sacrifice of Christ and the humility of His love, how He emptied Himself, we imitate that emptying. And we live like He does. John 3.30 is my life verse. He must become greater, I must become less. This is what John the Baptist says. This is something I'm trying to constantly just push into my brain. He must become greater, I must become less. I'm trying to imitate Him, trying to imitate that life of service and sacrifice. And then it goes on in verse 2, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now this is interesting. Have you ever thought about what Jesus smells like? Okay. Think about what I smell like. All right. I, in, a, in a sense here, and I don't want to get too weird with this, but in a sense here, we live as imitating the smell of Jesus. We're imitating this fragrance. We, we need to be walking in this world as those who fragrantly give off this aroma of Christ. Now, if I walked in here and I had a really bad aroma, you would know it and you would respond to it, right? As a disciple maker, I need to have a specific aroma which is pleasing and appealing to the world around me. Now, I'm not always going to be perfect. I'm not always going to make, I'm, not, I'm never going to be perfect. I'm never going to make the right choices and right decisions. But it's a process. And so a disciple walks in the light. Look at verse 3. He starts talking about these things. Sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Now, obviously you heard I like hiking, I also like camping, right? And when you're camping and you're in a place where there's no electricity, or if you go on a mission trip to, uh, with us to Gambia, you got to have light, right? When, it comes, when it's dark, you got to have light or you're just not going to do well. You're going to stumble, you're going to fall, you're going to get hurt, something's going to happen, something's going to eat you, I don't know. But you've got to have light. So I have this little solar lantern here, all right, representing light. But, and I'm a child of the 80s and 90s. There was a movie when I was a kid called Crocodile Dundee, right? And he was talking about a knife, but he was like, like, he would say, that's a light, that ain't no light, right? And so when I go camping in the woods... All right, I, this is just not enough. This very small inflatable lantern is not enough. I want to have power. I want to have candle power, right? I want to be able to see what's approaching me, all right? Well, this is what the scriptures are talking about here. Is God is challenging us to walk in a place of community. We talked about this a few weeks ago, all right? You've seen my various stool samples here, all right? <clears throat> so we walk inside of community to lead us to a place of discipleship and walking this path together. But I'm going to tell you something. In discipleship, we expose some stuff. Okay? That's what we do. 
And we do that inside of a loving, caring community that knows us. Because when you can get to know me and you can be my brother and you can be my sister, I want to invite you into my life to expose the sin in my own heart, the sin in my life, the sin in my actions. I had lunch with Greg this week. All right. And Greg placed a flashlight on my heart and helped me walk through life. We had a great conversation. I need him in my life to disciple me, to encourage me, to expose sin. Now, it didn't, we're still friends. Okay? Didn't impact it too badly. But we need that. Pastor Lawrence and I have some intimate and deep conversations together during the week in this building. We help each other. He is walking this life with me. I need that. We need each other. I'm going to tell you something. Preaching through a series like this, like I've been preaching through Ephesians, and for those of you who are visiting, I'm not the preacher here, okay? I'm not the normal guy. Our preacher guy has been on a little break. I want to tell you something. This has shown me more than any other time, and I knew it before, but it's really exposing this. We really rely on each other. We are walking this path of ministry together. We're on this staff team together. We're playing off of each other. We're listening to each other. We're working together. And he can have the sermons back. All right? It's hard. Man, it's hard. All right. So as we walk this life of discipleship, as we look at the church, and we've been, we've been looking at this diagram together, that the church is a, it's a force. In the world, built on a foundation of the gospel and working interconnectedly in these things. And this is what Ephesians has been showing us that a community of people are on mission together making disciples. And this is what the church is. This is what it's showing us. And as we walk together as flashlights and lanterns in this world, we're exposing this list of things that Paul calls. Idolatry. Now today, our small group leaders are meeting together. And I'm going to be talking with them about idols of the heart. I have idols in my heart. John Calvin says that the heart is an idol-making factory. And therefore, I need help. I need brothers to walk beside me and show me those things. Because idols are hidden to me. You know why? Because I love them. I love the things that I want to be involved in. And it blinds me to the truth. And so with the scriptures, which is the all-encompassing, soul-searching spotlight of God, I also need a community of people to walk alongside me and help me. And that's what the church does. The church makes disciples. We come together. We walk alongside each other. And we also, as missionaries, make more disciples out there. We talked about this early on. Bringing them into this citizenship. Bringing them into this family. Making them a part of this. And that's what we do together. So all this list of things that he's talking about here are examples of things we get involved in. Sexual immorality and impurity. Greed. Corrupt speech. 
And then he issues a warning that we not be sons of disobedience, but children of light. Because it's in darkness, in, in isolation, where I grow the darkest, where I grow the most evil thoughts and impurities in my own life and heart. And then I hide them from you. But when you're in my life and you're walking alongside of me, it helps. It helps to get to this place in verses 7 through 10 where it talks about shining fruit, fruit to the world, fruit in my family, fruit to my wife, fruit to my friends, fruit to people that I don't know. Because how does, a, how does being a children of light, a child of light, how does it apply to me? And this is where inside of this community, we talked about a bag of Doritos. He talked about a bag of Doritos in prayer. I talked about a bag of Doritos as the container holding the fun stuff, right? If we don't have that bag, those Doritos are going to go stale. But the bag is the community that houses the discipleship inside the church. We need each other. And so we walk alongside of that to expose darkness. Verses 11 through 14 talks about this, that this light is shining into the darkness and it's exposing wicked things. And so it leads us to walk a life of repentance and faith. Martin Luther, when he, when he pinned the 95 theses and nailed them to the door at Wittenberg Castle, his very first thesis was this, all of life is repentance. It's not the starting point of Christian life to understand the gospel, repent, and move on. And it's also not just a thing that it's not even it's not evangelical penance that we walk around and say, well, I repented of that, brother. I'm good. It's a constant movement of repentance and faith, of learning what's going on in my heart, recognizing it and saying, okay, I get it now. Thank you, Lord, for showing me that. Thank you, friend, for showing me that. I repent of that. And I believe that Jesus died for that sin. He took it away. And I'm now walking in freedom. Help me, brother. Encourage me. Pray with me. I want to move forward in this. So we're exposing darkness and we're living this resurrected life, this new life. We're a new creation made in Christ. Now, in verses 15 through 17, we see this again. Well, we, that was walking in light there. The next section verse, starts in verse 15, walking in seeking wisdom. A disciple walks seeking wisdom. Verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. We want to walk with wisdom. We want to learn wisdom. And the source for wisdom is God's word. That's where we find what God is teaching us. That's where we find His heart. That's where we learn the character of God. This is where we're reminded of the good news of the gospel, which I need regular reminders of that. Verse, verse 16, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Now, this one really exposed me. Okay? I read, so I really like John Piper. And his ministry, Desiring God, it's a website, tons of articles, all this stuff going on. I've read three articles recently that just rocked my world. But one of them was called, Get a Holy Ambition. And I started reading this article, and I started realizing, and this is my, myself. This is just for me. 
I started realizing that I waste a lot of time with Netflix. Okay? Now, I'm not talking to anybody else in this room now, okay? I'm not pointing fingers. None of y'all have Netflix and stuff. I was really getting to a place where I was like, instead of finding things to help me grow, I'm finding things to just help me like veg. And this article really helped me see, it really exposed this because I realized that there, and I'm not saying that Netflix is the the hell-condemning thing that is forever, you know, get rid of it, everybody. That's legalism. But for me, in, in my heart, I was realizing that this takes a lot of my time that I could be doing some other things or I could be focusing on other things. But then I also started realizing something. You know, just because it doesn't have a rating on Netflix doesn't mean it's not bad. Man, and I started saying, what kind of darkness am I letting into my life? And so I wanted to grow from that. And so I took some steps with that. And I asked a brother to come alongside of me in that. I wanted someone to help me to walk through that and to be able to expose that darkness, but then grow from it and walk in it. I miss it. (laughs) All right. But then verse 17, to go on, he says, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. How do I know? How do I discern the Lord's will? Oftentimes I don't know how to do that. And a lot of times, you know, uh, our church has a lot of young people. They come and, and they'll ask me that question. How do, how do I know the Lord's will in this or that? And they're asking me because they realize the need that we all have to talk with someone and walk with someone through this. But how do we ultimately know God's will is ultimately knowing God, which is found in His Word. And I, this is another thing. Man, I love my sleep. It's hard for me to get up in the morning. I, I'm, you know what would be helpful is if they made this coffee machine that's like attached to your headboard. And as you yawn in the morning, it just fills you up. All right. And you're ready to go. You're amped like, whoo. But what you have to do is you have to get up and go make the coffee. And it's a lot of work to like grind the beans and then just wait. Right. But here's the thing. This is a weakness because I, as I look at, and I read a lot of biographies, as I look at the biography lineup of man after man and woman after woman that God's using, you know what I notice a, a pattern in their lives? They all got up early and had time with the Lord. And now that's not a, again, that's not a prescription because none of y'all are lazy like me and like to just lay in bed and dream up like fancy coffee makers. But in a sense, I started realizing that I used to have this pattern of jumping up and getting into the Word and all that stuff, and I have walked away from that. And Pastor Pillow and me singing some sheet music is really not worship, all right? But here's the thing. I so need to see that for my own life, and that's why I'm standing up here just throwing it all out there. 
I'm not perfect. And I got a lot of squeaky joints. The older I get, the squeakier they get. And I, I'm looking at you out here today and saying, help me. Be a disciple maker in my life. Let's do this together, church. God's made us a really unique family. Waypoint's cool. I mean, I, I've been in a lot of scenarios. I've been in ministry for 22 years. And I've been in a lot of scenarios. This one is really cool, really unique. Because we really are a family. And we really do see that. And I, like, I love, Pastor Lawrence has opened my eyes to this concept that there's this idea in community that you can be known and loved. Some people are known and not loved. Some people are loved and not known. But here we want to create in the DNA of this organization, this church, this place, that here you're known and you're loved. And that's how we grow. That's how we do this together, is knowing that I'm not going to be condemned. Greg's going to love me. You know, I packed my lunch when we went to eat and ended up buying my lunch. He didn't condemn me for that. That looked good. He, he was eating. I was like, man, that looks good. I'm getting off the menu, right? So this cycle of repentance and faith, and this is how I want to close, is to look again at this, this uh, diagram here, all right, of the church. These things play off of each other. A community on mission together, making disciples. Disciples internally, disciples externally as missionaries going for this command to reach the nations. It leads us to, and we, each one of these pillars has had a stool where we've really kind of zoomed in on thinking about it. So let's look at the discipleship stool here. Okay? And you'll notice that this stool has a lot of colors flying into it. Because discipleship really has parts from all over. And I'm going to kind of walk through this. Now the orange leg that says making disciples really kind of pulls in the mission theme. That the church has been commissioned by Christ to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them all that I have commanded you. And then Jesus says, and I'm with you when you do this. I walk alongside you in this. So the church is one of our discipleship mission or one of our discipleship things we get involved in at Waypoint, is making disciples, being on mission to make disciples. If that, and here's this one. Whether that's working inside of a refugee community, or it's going and getting involved in one of the campuses and working with international students, or if it's inside my neighborhood, or my workplace, or my gym, or my coffee shop, or my restaurant. The places where I go, I am always on mission. My goal, make disciples. Make disciples. To lead people to this understanding of the gospel and what a church exists to be. Now the middle one is red because it connects us to the community. Because we talked about, when we talked about community a few weeks ago, we said there are levels of community that we get involved in. So this is great. This big community here of Bible teaching and discipleship from, and you'll look at that gray one that says air war slash ground war. I'm going to explain that in a second. 
This right now is the air war. Okay, we're proclaiming the gospel. It's in a big group setting. You're hearing it preached. You're hearing the word of God proclaimed. But we're saying at Waypoint, we want you to go the next step and the next step and the next step. And that's where we get here. And then in the community, we find that this is the big group setting. We would like for you as Waypoint to find a small group of people to get involved in because that's the next step. Because in that small, smaller group, you're being discipled. You have a leader who's pouring into you and teaching you the word and caring for you. And you have a group of people that you see regularly that you're getting to know on a regular basis. And you're doing mission together and Bible study and prayer. And you're doing life together. And you're keeping each other's kids. And you're having a meal together. But then we, would, we want to encourage you to take it the next step and make that group even smaller and saying, I want to find an affinity group of people. Maybe, maybe it's four guys who go out once a month and play golf. And they talk about the gospel and they encourage each other. Right? I, I want to encourage you to find that. Moms, we have a mom's play group that's meeting. Get involved. Come and bring your little kids to the church building on Wednesday mornings at 1030 and be a part of a group of moms with little kids all struggling together. And it's really loud and you can't talk anyway, but you can at least look at each other. We want to encourage you to take your discipleship to these next levels. And then there's another leg here that says one to one. I'm going to tell you, those intentional times that I set up to go to lunch or go to coffee or do what I need to do. Maybe it's even a phone call. I have some guys that were friends in another town and we talk on the phone. And I have to make intentional dives into that. But those are really important for helping me, helping others. And it's important for me to make that with other guys. Guys are looking to me as a pastor, looking to me as a disciple maker to help them walk through life. And I'm, I'm the midway point. And praise God, God has brought people to our church now who are further along. So I, young men and young women can look up to our family and we have families we can look up to. And God is building and weaving this fabric of discipleship inside of community in Waypoint so that we can walk as imitators of God. So that we can walk as children of light and we can walk in wisdom. And then as we keep going here, it says in verse 18, don't get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Can we still say that? Like, get drunk on the Spirit? I, I mean, yeah. All right, let's do it. Hey, folks, get drunk on the Spirit together. I mean, I don't mean to like play that down and make it sound weird. But seriously, let's all like dive into the Word of God and learn God so much together that we're so filled up, so on fire, that we're just growing together. And then he goes on to say... Um, um, Verse 19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. You know, when I read that, I kind of like freak out a little bit. So I'm like, can men do this? Like, do we get together and sing? Actually, this week in the office, Pastor Lawrence and I did break out into a song. 
Now, I don't know if we could call it a spiritual song, but we were looking at something on Google Maps and we zoomed out and then all of a sudden we're like, whoa, did you know Bermuda's off the coast of North Carolina? Did y'all know that? I had no idea. I mean, it's way out there. But Bermuda's off the coast of North Carolina. Who knew? But you know what that did? It sparked a song. Bermuda, Bahama, come. And we just singing out. I don't know if it's the same thing. It wasn't very spiritual. But brother, we were there, man. Then we hugged afterwards. All right. And then in verse 20, he says, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, as a family, we're really trying to, to be more thankful. We're trying to talk about things we're thankful for. Because when we're exposed to this world, when we step outside of healthy community and discipleship, you really realize, I'm thankful for a lot of things. And I think sometimes as Americans, we miss this. But one way we can really grow together, and that can think it goes back to that greed thing that Paul was talking about even earlier, is we can help each other as Americans walk through this and to be generous in our lifestyles, be missional as we live together. And then Pastor Danny kind of picked this theme up last week and kind of played around with it some when it was talking about families, but it really flows back into this, is that we live together as the church in mutual submission to each other under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. When I have an attitude of humility and service toward you and you toward me, we will walk very far together. This journey will take us to places that we've never thought imaginable. And when I do struggle, and I do, I know you're there for me. I know we're there for each other. And I know that this is in my family. And I praise God for that. Do you? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you so much that you've given us the opportunity to be here. You've blessed us with the privilege of Waypoint Church. It's really a blessing. It's a gift. We praise you for it. And Lord, as I know and as we all know in this room, we've got a lot of steps to take in this journey i got a lot of things I need to learn as a pastor, as a husband, as a father, as a friend, as a man, as a disciple, as a disciple maker. All these hats, all these roles. And Lord, I need you, Jesus. I need your wisdom. I need your humility. And I thank you that you've given me a room a hundred people to say, yeah, I get that. I want that too. I need that too. Let's do this together. Let's go far together. Let's be men that encourage each other. Women who are there for each other. Families that go and serve together. A church that worships and serves and is on mission. All not for the purpose of ourselves, but for the glory of God. 
May we glorify You, Lord Jesus Christ. May we exalt the name of Jesus our Savior. May we lift up high the name of God. In Jesus' name.